left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence and worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys, giving these guys up one at a time. It's another week of the Johnny and Gene Show. Hello, everybody, and uh, this is my co-host, Gene. What's going on, everybody? And this is Kenji Gallo. Hey, Kenji. Hey. How's everything? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. So uh, tell the people out there exactly who you are and what you are involved with for the people that don't know you. Okay. Um, my name is Kenji Gallo. I... Uh, was uh, with the LA family first uh, from the early, the late 80s until the 90s. And then I moved to Brooklyn, New York, and I was with the Columbos, specifically Teddy Persico Jr., his crew. Uh, I flipped and I wore a wire against them. I ended up putting him away, which caused them to get Steve Marcus and bring down Eddie Garofolo and Eddie's uncle, Manny, and got Michael. Uh, Persico and the rest of them. I was uh, just a bad dude, man. I was involved in uh, large, large uh, cocaine trafficking, uh, transportation, and pornography. I specialized in uh, the porn world and porn valley. I worked with a lot of guys from New York and uh, a lot of Gambinos, a lot of Bananos, and Columbos in the porn industry. So that's pretty much where I'm at now. I'm not no longer like that. I have, you know, I run a gym. Kenji, how did, uh, Kenji, I want to cut you off. How did you meet Teddy first ago? Um, well, first, what happened is I was with, uh, I I was with the LA family, and I and I was coming to New York all the time. I met a bunch of Colombo guys, the like younger guys, like Eddie Garofolo and all them, and I was hanging out. And um, I used to come to Brooklyn, and I would stay in Seagate and in, in by Bay Ridge, you know, like by um, uh, Coney Island. And then I would uh, I would just stay there and like stay there a couple of weeks, come here, like commit crimes. They were doing the pump and dump and everything. So I met all those guys like Craig Marino and and John Bonanza and all of them. And then uh, I just they Eddie and them asked me if I wanted to move to uh, Brooklyn. 
And so I said, yeah, but then my my captain, my my street boss, Jimmy Kachi, who I was with in L.A., was in prison. And so uh, he knew he he knew Carmen. And so they got they 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 got word to to Carmine. And then he got I got permission to move. And then I moved and then I was in Teddy's crew, but Teddy wasn't there. So I just I would just kick up money to those guys and they would give money to Teddy. And then all of a sudden they changed the Rockefeller law and Teddy got out. Right. Yeah. He was supposed to be in for like another five or six years. And um, then everything changed. Like I, I remember the day I was like in, uh, I was in Bay Ridge and we were over at, uh, at one Oh one. And then Danny Persico and uh, Sean uh, Persico, they, they told me and Eddie that we had, they had to come talk to us, but not to talk in there. We went to La Yun, the Chinese restaurant across the street. And then they told me that Teddy's getting out the next morning. And not to tell anybody. What and year then, was that, Kenj? What year about? I believe it was like 2004, 2005, like right there in that area. And you and you came around Brooklyn originally. What year? Um, I started coming in the, in the late 90s, so like so right was, yeah. just just when the war was ending, like right around that. And yeah. so, like, you know, like. Uh, like my friends were doing stuff with like Joe Campy and then he got pissed because they messed it up and then he wanted to like kill us, you know? So it was like in that same time period when he was still out and, and those people Wait, were was around. It, was this before the Wild Bill murder or after Wild Bill was killed? Wild Bill was gone. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm nice. pretty sure he was gone. Right, so, or, he, okay. or, or he was just gone when I got there. You know okay. what I mean? Like it just right. disappeared. Right. So because, but Billy, Billy was still on the street then. And, and, uh, I think he was still there for a short period, but I mean, he was, Bill was definitely gone within, by the time I moved there, he was for sure gone. So. Were, were you hit with a Rico case? Who, me? Yeah. Um, I got hit with Rico in, in, uh, in Vegas. I got hit with another uh, racketeering case in California and then conspiracy cases to distribute cocaine but the 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 rico case in las vegas was operation thin crust and operation double down is when they 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 got everyone all across the country so that was like when you know all they hit the gambinos they had everyone at the same time and they because they weren't they were everyone we were all trying like we were trying to build up the la family more and move we were in vegas and everything else and then they claimed that that uh, these guys murdered uh, this guy, Fat Herbie Blitzstein, who's from the outfit and was in the casino and like those issues. But the LA guys really didn't do that. It was it was other guys that were on the fringes. And, you know, well, we all got the blame for it. So did you get hit with anything personally with any violence, uh, killings, attempted yeah, well, murder I mean, or anything? Yeah, I've been arrested for attempted murder probably three, three times. Assault with a deadly weapon, assault with a assault and battery four or five times. Murder, I've been arrested for uh, attempted murder a couple of times, a kidnapping and extortion. So, okay. and uh, so now once you came into Brooklyn, obviously you're meeting the guys, and Teddy comes home. When do you first meet Teddy? Um, like I said, I, I, I met the, the night before that he was coming home. They gave me, uh, they gave me a bag with uh, a pair of like a white tracksuit, a pair of brand new white sneakers and a, and a, uh, a Cartier watch and a thousand dollars. And they wanted me to arrange a girl, a porn star to go with, to get in the limo and come back with them from upstate New York. Oh, really? When you first meet him, that's your first encounter. Yeah. I only had talked to him on the phone 
And like I'd and I'd send I'd send him pictures. Like he wanted pictures, of course, of porn stars and girls. You know what I mean? So I send him pictures, and I only talked to him on the phone from Big R Trucking with Eddie and everything else because he's been he was in prison for seventeen years. Right, right, right. So so then Danny and and those guys uh, stayed with me, and then we stayed at La Yoon till I don't know. 11 o'clock at night and then then eddie drove me home and then stayed with me at home until maybe like one o'clock and then as soon as he left i i i hit up the fbi i text the guy and i i they told me to jog down the street and there'd be a car and so i i brought the phone with me that i was supposed to give to teddy and i threw it in the car and then they, they called me back in like an hour later and they said go to this bagel shop which is open. It was in Bay Ridge. And then uh, I went to the bagel shop and then I got bagels and this guy gave me a bag and inside was the phone. So they had already fixed the phone by then, whatever they did to it. You know what I mean? Whatever and, they needed. And, and the phone was for Teddy. Teddy was using yeah. the phone. Why, yeah, the, the do you phone know was for why Teddy. he would use your phone? Why wouldn't he get his own phone? Did you? No, that, that, was, that was his phone. They, they gave him, they had a phone in the bag. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, so they, they they had this bag that they gave me had had his, this tracksuit, his shoes, a Cartier watch, a thousand dollars in cash, in it, and then oh. so I, so I got the girl in the limo, and when Teddy got out of prison, he wanted to put up this get get a a plane to fly across over the prison yard with a big sign on it, and so he spent all his money, the thousand dollars that he had, you know, on that, and then. Then he, then he, then he was with the limb, the girl in the limb in the back, and then he had some problems. Which, what kind of problems? Well, which I call, which I call the do-over. So I, in my book, I put it in, in my book, Break Shot, which is which was my FBI codename. I called it the do-over. It's a Teddy well, person. What's the name of your book? I'm sorry. I, the name of my book is Break Shot. It's Break it's Shot. Break Shot. Yeah, here it is. It's all, okay. all one word. Put it know. up a little higher so we can see it. There okay. you go. Right. So. And so it's it's called Breakshot, and that was my code name with the FBI. That's what they gave me. That was what they called me. And so in it, I have a whole chapter devoted to this to this limo ride home with Teddy. Teddy, I'm supposed to keep Teddy out of trouble because they told me like that he was gonna be street boss. He's not supposed to get into any trouble. And I gotta like, you know. So anyway, he first of all thing he does is stop. Then he has a problem with the girl and he can't get it, can't get it up. He's like yeah. having He's having he's real he's real frustrated. You know, he, he's been he's been locked down, he's been drinking, he's drinking some champagne, and then we had to go to we had to go to the city because he's he's having like he's already breaking parole. I mean, this is like we're not even at he's not even out of prison four hours, and they're yeah. having a meeting with all the Colombo guys in the city at this Italian restaurant. But before we when we get there, Teddy wants to get some shoes. He, he doesn't like the shoes that they gave him. He wants right. to get some some dress shoes, but he wants pointy to pointy toe dress shoes. Well, there's no there's no pointy toe dress shoes. You know, they quit making them in the 80s. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like in Bruno Mali and he's like looking for looking for shoes. And then he pulls me aside and he's like, listen, listen. He goes, I got to get a do over, man. You got to set this up for me. You got to have a do over. And so then Danny uh another another older colombo guy and eddie pulled me aside and they're like dude look you can't tell anyone about this this is gonna this gotta stay here man or we you're gonna be up everybody now huh? yeah. well you're gonna be up jackpot. Yeah, so, on teddy's behalf uh, yeah i mean how much time have you done me you done? Oh, off and on installment plan like three and a half four years you know so okay not, but, yeah. so it, when someone does a lot of time and 
on Teddy's behalf and people that don't know that we're in a prison, coming home uh, is stressful, especially when you don't know if you're going to get hit with another case. And then he's drinking on top of that. So as much as it's funny, it's probably happened to all of us. So, you know, uh, you know, so I got to tell you the truth. People that don't know, they'll say, oh, what's wrong with the guy? Because it, no. it really isn't like that. When you come home, he's probably full of anxiety, stress. You know, he's trying to get, you know, have sex so bad because he just came home, beautiful girl. But at the same time, he's got to have all kinds of anxiety going on. And it, anxiety and stress, you know, stop shift, you know, anything, obviously, people that don't know uh, would cause uh, you to have a limp dick, you know, so... Hey. Uh, you know, Ken, but it's me, embarrassing. I mean, I, I guess for anybody, it, it's happened to all of us. Ken, yeah. make a question. You, you, um, I had known someone that might know you. you said, there was a nickname you gave him, I think, that they were saying you were calling him or something like that. Uh, I had heard it. It's called the Impotent Don or something like that. You were calling him or something like that. Is that I, you? I, I didn't call him that. Some other people. I just, call, I uh, called him. I just called him the Do Over. That's a, that was uh, my code okay. name. Okay. Well, someone told me. So like. Yeah. I used to be like, hey, it's the do-over called me like to the FBI or somebody when I didn't want to say like his name to somebody. I mean, oh. look, in all honesty, this is the deal. Like, I, I feel for him. I mean, it's a girl. He doesn't know her. He's in a limo. Like you said, he's coming home. There's a lot of stress. Guys are going to meet him. It's been a while. I feel bad for him. I And honestly, out of every all the guys that I met, I like Teddy the best. Believe it or not, I actually did. That's the. He that's didn't have, the well, I'm tell you something because he dated some girls that I used to date. He didn't have trouble getting a woman. So you know, on that on that, on that end of uh, Teddy, and I don't know him personally, but I know uh, mutual friends and the girls I've dated that dated him and back and forth. So uh, it's a funny story. I mean, obviously for any of us, if I was him, I'd just laugh about it, and you know, yeah, I'd be laughing about the part that you had him set up with a wire, but. <laughs> You know, the part of uh, the sex thing, I mean, you know, it's funny, hey, but. Hey, yeah. uh, hey, Kenji, what's your uh, what's your opinion about him? Like, what kind of man was he when you met him? Like, what, what was his, uh, what'd you think of him? Was he tough? Was it, what was his whole demeanor? What'd you think of him? I, I like I said, I really like Teddy. And like a lot of the dudes in Bay Ridge and, and you know, them are all posers. You know what I mean? They, you know, they're like second generation, like they're they're Italian, and they think like, oh man, I'm the toughest dude around, and they just like they they like talk down to other people. But Teddy, man, he was he he was a likable guy. He's a tough dude, and one of the one of the things he did, he took me aside right away, and he's like, man, I'm out. I got to make a statement. I got to leave a body in the street. I got to take care of some shit. We got some shit to do, and yeah. and like. Like, I felt bad because, like, he's telling me I'm wearing a wire, too. You know what I mean? It's not like he's not – his phone's wired up. I'm wearing a wire. But I actually – I like him, like, on a person-to-person basis more than I liked more most of the other guys. Like, a lot of the guys I, I, I didn't really like in Bay Ridge, and I got I, I got sick of them. I mean, you meet that in every, every group anyway. But it's just that the way they acted, it's like, like, dude, oh, I'm the toughest, and I'm this and that. Bro, you haven't even been anywhere. You haven't even left Brooklyn. <laughs> you go from Brooklyn to Florida. You know, I'm like I'm a world traveler, dude. I've been to Mexico, Colombia, all over South America, everywhere. Like I've been to some heavy places, and like I'm listening to these guys. Bro, Brooklyn is bad, but it's not even close to like, well, yeah, like yeah. South Central LA, man. You got to go down that, or you go to Colombia. I was in Colombia in the '80s, man, where they're blowing shit up every day. Right. Yeah, actually, uh, when I was in Colombia in Barranquilla, when I went on a run, and this is not. Back in the you know the 80s and 90s, this is 2003. About 
they machine gunned a car in, in front of my house where I live. I lived in a cartel's building. He owned it, so it was, it was pretty secure. Anyway, I woke up and I heard uh, it had to be 100 rounds. So I, I got up at about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. The guy was going on his way to a hospital. Somebody tipped him, and the car was out front afterwards. And not only did they shoot it up, they blew it up. And then the, you know, so the Baja uh, shopping center also, they blew that up when I was there in 2003. So, and th these are at the end of when those cartel days were going. So, and it was still action going on. But like you said, guys from the neighborhood that don't know, we traveled the world. So we had a little different understanding of the violence in some of these countries. But uh, did, let me ask you a question. Chris Pagello, he owns uh, some clubs in Miami, owns some clubs in L.A., uh, he had problems with the Persicos. He, he ended up cooperating. Did Teddy ever speak about him? Uh, yeah, mo uh, he spoke about him a little bit, but Eddie spoke about him. Eddie Garofalo spoke about him a lot, more more than Teddy, you know. And uh, what did Eddie have to say? I mean, Eddie used to like him, and then like you, of course, used him, sponged off him when he had the clubs and everything else. And then he said, "Oh, he's just a rat," and uh, you know, thinks he's the tough guy and. And uh, Teddy really didn't have much to say about him because I don't think he really hung out with him as much, you know. Well, you're going to get guys that are always going to talk. Listen, and we talk about this. Eddie's not one of those guys. Ain't no tough guy. So, you know, he never put no work in any nonsense. So the guys that talk like that nonsense, you know, I, I want to hear more from a guy like, you know, Teddy, guys that have done things, put work and comes from a family. It's dangerous. So, you know, it's a little different when it comes from from a guy like Teddy. I was just curious. The other Columbos had resentment, like Craig Craig Marino, he had resentment towards Chris. Um, yeah. Jump Danza didn't really like him. He's a Lucchese guy, but uh, they didn't really like him. But, yeah. you know, I took that with a grain of salt. What? Chris Pacella wasn't a punk from what I heard. I don't think he was. No, uh, Chris, Chris was I know Chris for a lot of years. Chris is. A big, big kid, strong. He can, you know, he can use his hands a little bit, but uh, he ain't wild with a gun like that. He wasn't like that. But you know, he's he's not no dog. I mean, he's 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 a big kid. So, but you know, guys like Jimmy Calandra, guys like that, that used guns were, were dangerous in a different way. Right. So, yeah. You know. But well, my uh, buddy, my buddy was locked up with him in Farrington, and he said that uh, he was the strongest dude in the jail. He said he yeah, was with the whole jail. Yeah, I mean, like, like Chris and I have this, we have friends in L.A. that we share friends. You know what I mean? Like we have the same friends. I just like I, I've only I've been in the same place with them one time. I don't know him. So but yeah, I mean, like just from what I know, you know, does you know, doesn't talk shit, does his thing. So, yeah, I mean, you got guys like Chris ran into Joey Molino for the guys that were asking me about Joey and. Chris opened his mouth to Joey back and forth. And I think they were at a basketball game or something, or maybe yeah. a hockey game. I don't remember. But uh, one of the guys that was at the at the location when it happened called me and told me about it. And I told him, listen, you know, Chris is a big kid. He's tough with his hands. Joey's not a, a fighter with his hands. But don't get it fucked up. Uh, Chris is way out of his league with Joey. If Joey wasn't in the situation he was in and he's always in, uh, Joey's not a dummy and Joey's a tough guy as far as street wise and uh, intelligent. And if it was any other location, uh, Chris wouldn't get away with that. And, you know, and I, I don't think Chris is stupid enough to believe he would. But, you know, so when guys are commenting about that over the years, I keep hearing the same thing. I go, listen, you can't take away from Joey what Joey is. Joey's uh, a street guy, smart guy, 
uh, and he doesn't need anybody doing a shooting for him. He does it himself. So uh, Chris got lucky because of the situation and the location. Other than that, Chris is good with his, again, he's, he's a big guy, he's strong, but he's, yeah, not, uh, he's not a shooter. Yeah, one of the things that people don't understand, they won't understand about, about Merlino is that even if he touches Chris, he's, he's hitting, getting a federal witness. They're going to hit him with a federal charge for that. Well, he's going to get life no matter what. Joey's at yeah. that level no matter yeah. what he does. Uh, but it's still, he's, still a, he's still a federal witness. You know what I mean? So discipline. You know, Joey is disciplined. Joey's not, uh, you know, when I talk about gangsters, he wasn't on a big stage as far as New York, Chicago. I mean, he's in Philadelphia, but he's a very intelligent gangster. If, if he's nobody's dummy. Nope. Kenji, when did they pull you out? Like, when did this case all, like, uh, ravel out? Like, what happened? What was the whole situation with that? Well, what happened is I got burned out. Like, I was, like, I was doing this for about eight years, and that was, like, over it. Like, like I said, I, I liked a lot of the people. Like, I liked Craig. I liked, I didn't like Craig Marino. I liked John Bedanza. I liked Teddy. I liked a lot of the guys. Like, a lot of people I met all around the country. I met guys in Cleveland that I like. I like Billy Delano. I met uh, guys in Rhode Island. And I didn't want to keep doing it. I didn't want to do it. Like, some dudes that are just scumbags and, like, killer, I don't really care about. But, like you, I said, I, I said, like... Did you know what? Eddie? Eddie, the boss in Rhode Island? Did you know him or no? No. No, no, no. He's a nice guy. He actually yeah. is a pretty nice guy. And, you know, people say, well, don't you not? Listen, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I say it again. I'm not going to okay what they're doing for a living. I don't, you know, live that way anymore. But for guys that are in the life, you meet some gentleman. Eddie was one of them. He did time with me, and uh, we used to hang out, walk a lot. And he was a gentleman, intelligent guy. So, uh, you know, that... Being said, when people say, well, I think this show is about kids, it is about kids. But we still got to be honest and fair when we're talking about guys from the street. You got to give them, you know, who they are and what they are. And he was one of those guys with gentlemen also. Well, you, you, what I'm, yeah, what I was saying about these guys is there's a lot of guys in this life that are just in the life, man. That This is what they do. But it doesn't make, I mean, they do bad stuff, but they're not like a bad, bad human being. And there's guys that we, you and I both know that are like bad human beings. You know what I mean? There's a difference. And what's and like I was talking to you the other day, it's crazy now is you see these people, some of these old guys that I used to hang out with, like the voice of reason. They love America. I mean, they could be they, you know, they fought in World War II, Korea or Vietnam and they love they love America. They might be criminals, but they would still have like like I, I never yelled at a cop. I never yelled at the FBI. I never fought with them. I just turned myself in and be done with it. But uh, to answer your question, in 2000 and I, in 2005, I was getting burned out. I did not want to do this anymore. I told the FBI like a couple times, like I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it to Teddy. I was over it. But then Teddy ended up pulling me in and wanted to do a hit one day, and it, all this this stuff went down. And then it just it, it, it I re, I was recording it. I can't turn the recorder off. It's on. It's on for 13 hours. That's it. There's two of them, and I have no control over whether it goes off or not. It just goes off when it runs out. And he was picked up there getting the gun and, and telling me what to do and telling everything else. And so I kept saying to him, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I'm burnt out. And they, they let me go back to California for a while. And then I had to keep coming back to Brooklyn. And so finally I got into a, um, into an argument with Manny Garofolo. Uh, he's a you know, big construction guy. He, he called me into a meeting at, uh, at a diner right off of um, – Right when you go to Coney Island, it's like I think it's called the Coney Island Diners, right on the side of the road on the Bell Parkway. And uh, he met with me and he started telling me, asking me if I told Teddy that uh, 
that he was laundering money for me and all this other stuff and accusing me of stuff. And I felt like telling him, because I really didn't tell him that he was laundering money for me, but I felt like telling him like, hey, dumbass, I'll just play you back the tape. I recorded <laughs> it. I could, I could tell you exactly what I said. And then when we were at the table, Manny just started, he started like yelling at me and we, they put me in a close, we were in a closed off section of the, of the, of the diner. It was like, it was making me nervous. And he started yelling at me, getting like all irate. And then I told him, then he told me, he goes, if you, if you don't, I was smirking because I was laughing and thinking in my head, like, I never said this shit. It's a lie. Yeah. And they're trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to put, and he's like, he's like, what are you smirking about? He goes, if you don't wipe that smirk off your face, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I told him, I go, if you punch me in the face, I will knock out all your teeth. And I will, <laughs> I will fucking get on a plane. I will knock you out and I will get on a plane and drive, go back to California. And there's not a fucking thing you guys can do about it. Right. Cause I, I'm from California and I'll go there and I'll do whatever the hell I want. And so yeah. I told him that he goes, you would raise your hands to me. And I go, dude, in two seconds. Right. So I, and I go, I'm meeting is over. I'm getting up and I got out. And so as I was trying to get out, he tried to grab my arm a couple of times to get me back to the diner. And I'm like, no. And then when I went, when I started to go down, I got out of the place. There's a abandoned gas station. I think it's like a Sitco or something. It's like an empty gas station. And right behind it, I saw uh, a little Honda and I saw this guy, Frankie and this guy, Walter, that they hang around Teddy and they're from the neighborhood, you know, like they're shooters. I saw them sitting in the car and then I knew exactly what, Cause and then Manny's trying to get me to go to the, he wants me to go to the, to the truck yard over in Staten Island. And I'm like, no, no way, no way. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like in a car. And so he, he pulls up next to me. He's like trying to pull me in and I'm like, not, not in a million years. And so now, I, I, are these agents around when you're meeting them or the agents close by? No, dude, they're nowhere. They're nowhere to be, dude, come on. This is like, this is a night. They're, they're it's closed. No one knows where I'm at. So he's trying to pull me into the car and I'm like, I just got to get, I, I hit, I hit the start on my truck, electric start. And I'm like, underneath the seat, I got a gun, man. I'm like, dude, those two idiots are not getting me. So I got right. the, I got between my truck and, the, and them. So I had the truck in between me and them. And I re, and as soon as I started the car, I hit the door open, I reached underneath and then I got in and then their, their little car is not stopping my truck. So I got in the car and I, I went to Belt Parkway and I got on, I went to Manhattan cause I was living in Union Square at that point, not in Bay Ridge right. anymore. And, uh, I started driving and then all of a sudden Eddie, everyone started calling me and they're trying to get me to come back. And I'm like, no way, not a chance. And then they're like, they, then they said they kept, they kept wanting to meet me. And I'm like, you could meet me in Manhattan. Right. Meet by Square. We'll meet right there. You know, but, I'll pick the place. But I got to tell you, Teddy must have really trusted you to talk to you about doing a, a murder to do a piece of work. I mean, he really had to trust you to have those sure. conversations about getting guns and you just got to kill somebody. I mean, Dude. that's not a conversation you just have with anybody. I was in his mom's house when he did that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. we went to, we, we went, we were all, we were eating at 101 and we just finished eating and he's like, hey, I'll take you home. And then I got in the, it was Eddie driving his truck and I was in the back as a king, it was a king, king cab. And so we got to my house, it's on Shore Road. Uh, 6833 Shore Road and I get out of the car and I started walking towards the front of the building and then Teddy rolls his window down and yells at me and goes get in the back get back in and so we got back in the car in the truck and he goes he goes we're going for a ride we gotta we gotta go to my mom's house my mother's house I gotta get we gotta get some gear 
And he goes, we're going to deal, we're going to deal with Finelli and we're going to deal with, with Marino right now. And then he said that he, and then he, he starts calling and he calls his brother and he's like, get my gear, get the gear, meet me in mom's house. And so we're, we were driving there. I was just, you know, just sitting there like listening to it and I'm going, Oh man, I'm in trouble because the FBI stressed the one thing I can't do is, you know, be involved in any violence whatsoever. So like, I'm really stressed out. And he's like, you know, Craig's a, Craig's a, he, Craig, Craig's a good guy, like meaning that he's a made guy and that, but he's just with that other group. And those dudes try to kill my dad. Like he starts telling me this kind of stuff. And then he's like, you, you don't got a problem with this. Right. And I'm like, no, because you know, <laughs> I'll be the next one. And so we, we go to his mom's house and I'm sitting in like, he goes, come on, come on inside, come and talk to my mom. So I'm sitting at the table and his mom is like, showing me these pictures of like the first mother's day teddy's been there in like 17 years and she's like giving me water she's asking me if i want food it's like kind of like goodfellas man she's like asking me if i want food and teddy's like ma he doesn't want anything and then eddie carafolo was like i gotta take a crap and so he ran off maybe i think he might have just he might have made a phone call to somebody to be honest but um now they look back on it so then teddy's like you know, talking is me, him and his mom. And then he takes me in like this back part of the house and he starts telling me like, you know, we're going to deal with this shit. Today's the day we're going to deal with this shit. And then all of a sudden his little brother got there with a box and he's with this kid, Walter, and they got this box and it has some guns in it, but it was a pretty sad little box. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was pretty, pretty pathetic looking like rusty, <laughs> You know, not not good. So Teddy takes out a Walter PPK and and then his brother starts telling him, like, it's not clean. You know, you got to you got to you got to clean up. Teddy's like, what the fuck are you bringing me shit that's not clean for? And he's like, I know how a gun works. And then and then the brother's like, I don't have any me and me and Walter don't have any uh, don't have any uh, gloves. And Teddy goes, well, take your fucking socks off then. What kind of gangsters are you? And then he gives me the box and he goes, you get get one of the guns. And I'm like, so I started looking through. And there's like two guns, but there's no bullets for him. Oh my god! And he's like, so he's like, bro, can't you just make one work? Can't you just put one in? And I go, dude, a thirty-eight won't fit. In, I mean, a three-fifty-seven won't fit in a thirty-eight, dude. You know, the opposite would work, but not that. And yeah. so I'm trying to explain to him, and he's like, well, just carry it. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to carry an empty gun. And he's <laughs> like, he goes, you, you got your knife? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, you're gonna watch by the restaurant, and if anyone comes that way, you're gonna deal with it. I'm taking the kid down by the water, and then he told his brother and the Walter, or yeah, Walter. He told them, he said, uh, you guys stand across the street. This is gonna go down at 101 because Craig knew better. He didn't want to come to their mom's house. Right. He, right. Not, he did not want to come in that neighborhood. He knew better. He pretty much he goes. He said, no, my car's already Valley Park. So then we we started driving over there, and, and I wasn't saying anything because. I'm trying to figure out, like, how could I contact the FBI and tell them that, you know, some bad shit's about to happen and I'm involved. I'm, not only I'm involved, I'm in the car and uh, I'm trying to think about it. I'm trying to get the whole thing on tape because he's freaking out, like saying what crews with this and everything. And I'm like, OK. And so as we come over this little rise and we're coming right over on Fourth Avenue, we're coming up to where to where 101 was and everything. Dude, there's like a, a huge like fire engine hook and ladder and a paramedic and an NYPD car in front with their lights on. And, and Teddy starts screaming. He goes, we haven't even done anything. They're already here. And I'm thinking in my head, wow, the FBI is really, they're listening to me. 
Like they already know what's going down. And then then I look and I see him. They're wheeling out a guy from a restaurant next door, and he's got like he must have had a heart attack because they're like he's got like thing on him. They got all these things connected to him. And then so they put him in the ambulance, and he goes away. And then the cops are still standing there. So then Teddy goes to me, is tell my brother and Walter that it's off. But I'm taking the kid down by the water anyway. So if anything goes down, just watch my back. And I go okay. So I'm sitting out there, and Teddy grabs Craig, and they're they're going to talk. And then I look across the street and I see, I see the the uh, his brother and I see that Walter kid with the sock on their hand across the street. And I'm like, and I start waving at him, saying, "Hey, man, this shit is this is this is done, man. We're not doing this." And he's like, "I, you know, Teddy's got to tell me. I don't know anything about it." So then I finally I saw Danny, and then I go, "Daddy, man, go tell your brother to that they gotta go, man." And you know, so then Danny ran over there and told their brother um, that we gotta end it. And then, then Teddy comes back, and then Craig Marino looks like like Craig Marino is the guy who I used to hang out with, and I used to go to movies with, and like you know we go out to eat and like hang out, and go to the city, and now he's looking at me like he wants to kill me. And Craig is like a for real, he's a shooter, he's a guy no, that will. He's a kid, yeah, no, yeah, he will really, really kill you. But so he's amazing. They didn't have some legitimate guys. I mean, he's just grabbing guys out of desperation. I'm shocked that he doesn't have some legitimate shooters with him. And even the equipment is like, you know, like almost childish. It was, it was like, dude, I'd never seen anything like this, like the equipment. And I don't know why he didn't go get legit. Like, I think maybe because he'd been gone so long, he just didn't have the legitimate people. Walter is a legitimate guy. Walter was a legitimate guy. He's the guy that, that got stabbed by the Gambino guys and everything. He's a legitimate dude. I don't know who he is. How yeah. old is he? He's a, he's from he I think he's I think he got deported I think he went back to Italy or maybe he went back on his own, okay. but uh, I I mean at that point he was probably like under thirty or just at thirty. Maybe he so, went back on his own after he got stabbed up by uh, by my yeah. old crew. Yeah, yeah, he did get stabbed by your old crew. Stabbed, like, I, I didn't stabbed, remember the guy who did it, but you know him who did yeah. it. So anyway, this whole thing went down, and then Teddy comes up to me, and, and Craig Marino looks like he's got about to just to kill me he wants to kill me i can tell and teddy goes hey man i squared it with craig but just don't turn your back on him i'm like what you know like now i gotta deal with this on top of that you know what i mean and so i was like i was like really burned out and then teddy teddy uh like he took me like afterwards he started talking to me and uh like we hung out a little bit longer that night, that time, like after that was over, uh, we were hanging out and he walking around. He wants to know like how people were making money on his name. And like, I was working at this, 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 uh, I was working with these guys that own a telecom business in in downtown that, that everybody's making like 80 to $200,000 a month. And they had leased Teddy a car, like this new Mercedes. And we bought him a truck. Like I pitched in the money. We bought him like a $50,000 truck when he got out, but he's like, Man, you know, like all these people are making money. I go, bro, you're not making any money. They're, you, they leased you the car. You don't own this car. It's like rental. And he didn't understand. I'm like, dude, it's like a rental. It's yeah. not yours. It's like they're paying a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month, whatever they're paying. You know, it, it's the gears. And then I'm like, he's like, yeah, but look at this place I live in. I go, bro, you're renting it. Everyone else owns multiple houses. Eddie, Manny, they own the tow yard. They're getting like. Yeah, well, I own the I, I own the trucking company. I'm like, but it's not in your name. Those guys are getting the equity. Like, I own the parking lots. I get I'm getting money from. Them. I'm like, no, they're giving you two thousand dollars a week, but they're making the big money from the equity. And when they sell it, 
you're not going to get anything. And so he wasn't getting all that. You know what I mean? Like I was over it and I just didn't want to lie to him anymore. So I was like telling him like, you know, and that's yeah. why Manny, that's why Manny later on and came back to me and said that I told Teddy that he was laundering money for me. Right, right. Manny Garofalo was, which, which, you know, which I never told Teddy that I just told him right. the truth about the money. And then after that, so, you know, after that whole thing with, with, with Manny at the diner, then I got, I was like, I'm not going back, but, I met I met with Teddy and them after that. Yeah, but, well, I'm shocked. Well, I got to tell you the truth. I mean, right, Gene? I mean, I'm shocked that they had such a trust level for a guy that didn't grow up with them. That they don't really know too much about you, except that you were from L.A. around some people yeah. to, to involve you in this in in the, in the personal talks, attempted murders, murders. Is it's incredible to me. Wait, and, but, uh, and, well, and he would have these weapons like this and socks, and I mean. You know, we we put something together. We put it together. You know, we're, we're supposed to be the mob, the guys that know what they're doing, and they put it together the right way with well, guys, mobs, and radios. Who vouched for you? Like, who co-signed for you to be next to the acting boss? Like, who put you next to this guy? Like his brothers and and everyone else. Dude, like like you you understand like this. I'm a real, I'm a quiet dude. I don't really do anything. I make, I made a lot of money. Like I made money. I pumped in stop, money. Stop you right there. You just yeah. said you made a yeah. lot of money. That's how you know. Yeah, the money always walks everybody through the door because guys, they got green eyes. They're greedy. Instead of looking to see what's up, instead they're all trying to grab at you because they know you're making money. So you just said the magic words. Yeah, you're making money. And that's when everything goes out the door. Any kind of uh, sensible thinking on a street guy's mind goes out the door because they want to, they're worried about uh, how they're going to bring in money. So that opens the door. So people out there that are, are listening got it because to me, it's incredible what you got on tape and how long you're working for enough for the FBI. And yet these guys don't really know you and allow you in their inner circle like this and even bringing you on, even though it was the way, I mean, Mickey Mouse, the way they set up the killing while trying to kill somebody is, is almost, I mean, really, uh, laughable. I don't even know what word to use, but uh, you know the, the capability of setting up. I mean, it's kind of really bush league. But I mean, for them to even involve you, though, it doesn't matter how they set it up or how dumb they are or whatever. But to actually bring you on something and the whole thing being wired and taped is, is really an incredible story. I mean, Jerry Capici just—he got a hold of the tape and he just like he wrote a bunch of stories about it. it, it I mean, I, so yeah. what year was that when he when he when he first went in? What when 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 they first grabbed Teddy on this case? What year was that? Uh, I think two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. Yeah. It might wow. Like, because I'm gone, I'm out of the country. That's why I, I knew it was around because I don't remember him getting pinched at the time. I know when I came back, I know he was pinched, but I don't remember the headlines or anything. So I must have been in. Uh, if it was two thousand and six, I was in the penitentiaries in Brazil. Yeah, they um, they it, they made a big deal about it because like I had I like literally I had everything on tape because I had thirteen hours of tape. It just never it never it never stops. It just keeps going, and uh, like I like I said like they trusted me because I didn't I don't cause trouble. I made money. I can handle myself. I don't brag about it. I just do what I got to do. But like compared to L.A. and compared to the Colombians I know and everyone else. It was like a joke. That's why I was like, I would laugh at those guys. You don't even have real guns, dude. Come on, seriously. You play around with MMA and boxing and and wrestling and all that stuff, right? You're involved in that in that field. Yeah, 
yeah. I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm a professional fighter. I'm a, a boxing instructor, a kickboxer. I fought MMA fights. I wrestle. I yeah. mean, I'm not, but I, I, I trained with world, with world champ fighters, like real fighters, like guys that like my, my, my buddy, Dennis Lebedev knocked out Roy Jones Jr. I mean, I trained him. I trained with Jeremy Williams before he won the heavyweight championship of the world. The guys won like 300 fights. You know, right. I mean, I sparred with these guys. So I'm like, I'm definitely not like just a guy walking. I am. But the funny thing is, is because I am Asian. You know that. You can look at me and see that right. I'm Japanese. And like, yeah, I, yeah, you actually look Japanese. I didn't know what else you were, but I knew you were Japanese. You're mixed. You're, people you're, can't tell the difference between, uh, you know, when people say, well, is he Chinese, Japanese, Philippine, Korean? But actually, I travel a lot, so I knew you were Japanese. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you have a look. There's a lot of them in Brazil, like me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that would look at me, yeah. Are you, but, a, uh, are you Italian also? Or you're just no. all? No. So, His I... What? Gallo's Italian. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and but it's like it's it's through like my stepmom. It's a long story. Like I have I have other connections too with the Columbos. Like 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 my stepmom and someone else uh, was with Sonny Francis for like 30 years. So they were they they were part of Sonny's gas uh, gas crew, not Michael's crew. Sonny's crew. Right. You know? Sonny yeah. was a legitimate gangster. Yeah. yeah, Michael takes all the credit for the whole gas tax thing, but it was really Sonny's deal. And then yeah. Michael took it because Sonny went to prison. So yeah. I have I have like other connections with that. I just didn't talk about. I don't talk about them really because I don't really you know. Well, you're, you're 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 very unarming the way you talk because you're kind of you know and anybody that's watching this sees that you're you're a nice guy. You talk like a gentleman, and so you're disarming. I think that's why Teddy took to you and liked you because you got a very forward, you know, easygoing personality. And uh, but yet uh, you're around the uh, boxing world, jujitsu and fighting world. So you're nobody slouch. Uh, and uh, for the people that are watching, it's a great story. I mean, yeah. you know, even for me, because I don't know a lot of this. I, I, you know, this is the first time I'm hearing a lot of this. So but it's incredible because you got it all on tape. So if nobody could question what you're saying, it's on audio. So uh, no, it's amazing. Everything I said, like everything I said, like about with the World Trade Center, that they're stealing money, everything that about the Deutsche Bank building, it's all come to pass. Like them building the Target in the Bronx, everything that I've everything that I said, like even people when they first came out, people were like, oh, no, Craig Marino, he's not a made dude. Well, that's funny because I know someone that was actually there when he got his button at Jimmy Gook's house, you know, right. and and now and then Joey Caves flips and then he says, yeah, Craig Marino was with me. Well, there, see. Now, now we know. And Joe's then when I guy. Joe, I don't what? know if you know that. Joe is a tough guy. Joe, yeah. case, he's in, and and you know people that have something to say about him. Uh, you know, again, uh, I don't think too many people are going to say it to his face. Oh, hell so, no. I hell, I'm he's good. Guy, well, guy, you know, Gene. I know him real good. They know and say that motherfucker is. He's tough, bro. I'll, I'll tell you right now, he's a real street dude. And um, you know what, what's funny with me with this Colombo family? They're so disarray, bro. Like, they really are. Like, they're like a street gang almost, the Colombo family. It's like, they're like a Brooklyn-based gang. That ain't like the mafia. Like, I knew some of the serious dudes, but, like, from the 80s, like, that's when it was real. But, like, when it got later on, it was, like, almost like a street gang, bro. I swear to God. That's that, that's what it is. That's what the Colombo family is known for. They're, like, a, killing each other all day. No structure. There's 10 bosses. Like, they don't know who's running why. It's just It was just chaos, the family, you know? 
Well, well you, know, you see guys not going after, like, and I'm not trying to advocate for anybody to go after Chris Pacillo, but when you see guys not being proactive, uh, going after, you know, he's only two hours away by plane. So it's not like he's across the country in Brazil or something. And when they're not going after guys, you got to say back to the same thing. This isn't what it used to be because guys are just, they're not doing anything about anything. And, you know, they have a personal thing with Chris Mitchell, the Colombo family, because some of the stuff that went on. But uh, Chris, Chris was literally right down the street from me. And, he, and, and before I moved here five years ago, before I moved to Illinois, Chris was maybe 10 minutes from me. And, in LA. Yeah, in LA. Like yeah, his, yeah. He wasn't there. He opened up a couple of businesses that didn't yeah. make it. I think one of them was a gym also. Yeah, but he also he owned a restaurant that was right down the street, like Faux 90210. And I mean, and right down the street from that was Tommy Gambino's restaurant. Right down the street. And right down the and right I like Gambino's. I you know, I don't, you know, anytime anybody brings up the Gambino, the reason why I always speak highly of them and Tommy and or any of them is because they, they're not loud, they're not outspoken, they're gentlemen. So what they do for their own personal lives is not my concern when I talk about the stuff on these shows, I, I try to show who the guys that are real. Uh, yeah. I'm talking about tough guys, who are the guys that are gentlemen, who are the businessmen. And you try to give a perspective to the people out in the public that don't understand that don't know what's going on. You know, you're, you're involved in the fight business. What I don't like is a guy that talks like a tough guy and he's not a fighter. You know, you don't got to be a fighter. I respect you not to be a fighter also, but don't behave as if you are or what you said earlier. Uh, you know, these guys talking about shooting and popping and doing this and getting down. And meanwhile, they never touched a gun. They never squeezed off a trigger. You know, they don't know what it is. They just talk like, uh, you know, they just talk for the sake of talking. So um, you're always going to get those guys, and you know, in any aspect of life. One of the guys that lived in Beverly Hills, another guy that I was going to say is Donnie Shacks. He's yeah. a Colombo captain. He didn't do anything. He li he literally he used to eat every single day like blocks from Chris's from Chris's place. You know, I mean Donnie Shacks is there. And what one one time I'll tell you a funny story. So I'm at the I'm at the boxing gym and I'm training these two guys in the ring. Bang bang bang. I'm doing mitts for him. And this an actor comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, I got to talk to you. And I go, What? I'm I'm training somebody. And he was like, I got to talk to you. And I go, Go. What what is it? And he goes, Your friend in Beverly Hills doesn't appreciate you. And I go, what friend and who doesn't appreciate me? And he's like, oh, you know, Donnie. And I go, shithead Shaxx? <laughs> and then they go, and he goes, yeah. And I go, fuck him and yeah. fuck you. And uh, I go, if he doesn't like me, he can come and deal with me. I go, if we, if I see him, then it's on. That's it. Fuck, fine. I mean, whatever. You know, I'm a rat. And then right. he's like going on and on. I go, dude, I go, what they did to you is they just put you in the jackpot, dude. You you think that you're doing them a favor? They just got you in trouble. And so he he walks away. And the two guys that I was training were FBI agents from the squad. Right. In fact, one of, one of them arrested Whitey Bulger, like, not long after that. And I, yeah. they go, they go, did that guy just threaten you? And I'm like, dude, he's stupid. He's he, they're like he's an actor, and I go, I know, I like, I liked what he did, but I go, he's just dumb. They just used him, and then they're like, we gotta, we gotta do something. We're gonna have to make a report. I go, dude, don't do anything, man. I'm not threatened. It was no big deal, and they're like, we can't just let it go, but we're gonna write it up, but we're not gonna do anything. But that's how dumb these guys are, dude. Yeah, yeah, dumb. Yeah. An actor, you know, hey Johnny, that's true because these Colombos with these actors, we had a situation in 2011. With Sonny Francis, he was away at the time, and they sent the actor down to the sit-down to see Vin. 
And Vin goes, are you a friend? He goes, no. He goes, get the fuck out of here. He goes, we find out later he's an actor. So I don't know what these Colombos and these actors. It mean we were laughing. Vin goes, who are you? He goes, you're a friend. He goes, he, he goes, no. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get out of here. And he's a fucking actor. He's in movies. So I don't know what these Colombos got with these actors. I don't know what it is. They send they send movie stars down to sit downs. I don't know. They really do because they send they send a couple more too. Back in the in the past, they'd send other actors out to California. Oh, for real yeah so yeah i don't know it's just it's just not the same and like i miss all the old dudes you know what i mean like we're saying like with Sonny and all the older guys and they're all gone and it's just not the same like even my guy like in california uh jimmy kachi i mean he was from buffalo new york he was a captain but he was in attica for nine years he knew every single dude in the you know he he grew up going to manhattan he knew, you know, he knew the chin. He knew everyone. Rudy, Rudy was a real good friend of his. Good-looking Rudy that was in prison with them. Right. And then we had like, then we had problems. Then we used to have problems like, you know, then you have guys like Joe Isgro in California. There was a guy from your family that we would see. Joe and, was involved uh, with the music industry. I know. He's a little bit anyway. And a movie guy too. Yeah. So, right. and, you know, you see all those guys, but it's like, it's just not the same anymore, man. It's just not. And. And, uh, you know, I did what I did and I met like some good people. I regret my life before my life is, is totally changed. I'm not like that anymore. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I do my thing and I don't try to, I don't try to like put anything down anyone's throat and I don't judge anyone. You know, I did it. And What's I'm, your message uh, to kids, uh, Kenji? My, my message for kids is man, like no matter what you think, it's never worth it, but you could always turn your life around, man. It's never too late. It's, it's hard, man, because you got to remember, like, I spent 20 years digging my hole. So it's not going to change in, like, one day, five days. You know what I mean? It takes years. Like, it's been, it's been like, since I, since I got off the street, it's been since 2005. It's 2020, man. And it's like, you know, I'm doing it. And it's not the same. It's not the same kind of money that we made, like, when we're on the street. It's not street money. But dude, it's legit. I pay taxes. I'm doing my thing, man. And I and everything that I enjoy, I don't have to worry about people taking it from me. Like I used to always have to worry the cops, the feds are going to bust in, take my cars, even if they're not registering me. You know, I'm just going to lose everything, which I did multiple times. And uh, now I don't have to do it. So I tell kids all the time, and I I talk to guys, especially young fighters, when I'm in the gym, I tell them, dude, whatever you're mad about or whatever you think you're going to gain by this, it's just temporary. It's all fake. It's like you're you're charging a great big American Express card, and one day the feds are going to come, and the money's it's got to be due. And you you out of all the people we know, there is no you know it. There is no happy endings if you're still in that life. There never will. Be. No matter everyone always goes, yeah, well that guy had all this money, yeah, but look how screwed up his kids are. Look how many times, look how long he did in jail. Money's not everything. Yeah. It's 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 a personal life and it's a personal feelings that you have with your family and your friends. And like, dude, I let my family down. My dad is dead. My like my grandparents, I think about them all the time, and I'm thinking like I had all the money in the world, and I and I couldn't go see them more often, you know what I mean? Like more than once or twice a year, honestly, because now they're gone, and I just I went I pissed away all that opportunity. I, I pissed away opportunity where I could have probably gone to college and done something else, you know? I wouldn't be the same person, but at least I could have done something. But now I have a chance to like make things better, try to help people out. I help people out like in. Uh, in, in personal training, like I get them better. I get them. I, I train people with Parkinson's. I teach, I teach people like how to take control of their lives. So I don't mean to cut you up. Sometimes uh, that's our, our path. That's God's path because you wouldn't be helping all these people 
if you didn't go through what you went through. So maybe that's just the way it is. It was meant, you know, yep. sometimes people say, I don't know, maybe we're predestined to live the lives we live and then it goes from there. But I think if you take it from where you took it uh, to a positive and, and you're helping lives now, I mean, that's all you, you can't go back. I mean, so there's no sense of driving yourself crazy or anybody else as long yeah. as you're doing the right thing, helping kids now so you can look at it that way, you know. That's what I do. I try to, I just get the message out. I try to talk to all these kids now and say, you don't understand, man. We're not all victims. We're not all victims. We can do like, no matter what color your skin is. I mean, look at me. Like I said, I'm Japanese dude. And I was running around in Bay Ridge. <laughs> Listen, no, 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 no one's a victim. You make yourself a victim. That's and, right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. Somebody just talked about this, about one of their, their, their own kids. When someone's self-sufficient, right, they can always survive and uh, take care of themselves and go in a positive direction. But it's like a child, right? If they got to depend on their mom and dad as kids, if they don't give them a couple of bucks, if you have a mother or father, if they don't have money, uh, they got to go by their rule. So anytime you're not self-sufficient, you're going by somebody else's rule, whether it's the mob, whether it's the street, whether it's at home. So uh, the best... You know, the best lesson in life, I think, is to make yourself self-sufficient. Go to work. Do the right thing. And nobody tells you what to do. Because in prisons, everybody's telling you what to do. That's and I'm right. not talking about inmates. I'm talking about the guards to the, you know, to the, uh, the, uh, the life of prison itself. You know, that, that's just it. If you're, if you're living that life in jails, you, the institution is telling you what time you can eat, what time you can sleep, what time, how much you're eating. How much you can spend? How much? How many hours on a telephone? When you can see your family? Uh, you're institutionalized. That's not controlling your life. So, we got to end. It's uh, great having you on. Okay. And uh, you want to show us that book again one more time so people can look and and uh, where can they get it if they're interested? In getting that? It's on Amazon, and you can just get it on Amazon. And uh, if not, like I'm on I'm on social media. I'm on Kenji OC on uh, Instagram. I'm on. I'm on Facebook and I'm on, uh, I have a website, Better Live Lives, where I just try to do positive stuff, try to help people out. So, right. Stay in touch with us, Gene. You got anything else to say before we go? Uh, Kenji, that, that was a good episode. You have uh, some some wild stories, man. I can't believe you. You you had to be nervous walking around with that, that wire on all the time. I got to be, you had to be, you, you had to be, man. I mean, honestly. Honestly, completely, I wasn't. I was, I was more nervous just being like, uh, just sticking out in Bay Ridge, and being being Asian with all the Italians. Wire on. <laughs> like, before you before you leave, I'll just tell you a quick story. One time, I was in front of Layune with Teddy and Eddie, and a lady pulls up in front with a new Mercedes, and she jumps out of the Mercedes and she throws the keys at me, at me, and says, "Park the park the car." And, and and then went in the restaurant and left me out there. And then they looked at me and Teddy goes, what the fuck just happened? And Eddie goes, Eddie's cracking up. And they, so he's looking at me and Teddy goes, give those keys to my brother. And they got rid of the car. Hey, but, you know what? I was just going to say, I was going to wait for you to finish that story. I had a parking company. So we were out front at one of my lots and I was with a couple of friends and a guy pulls up, same thing. And he pulls up, I, I think it was the Benz, but it was a nice, very nice car. Yeah. And he flips the keys to my friend and my friend had a lot of money. And he says to him, hey, you know, yeah, take care of my car. I'll leave it up front. And if, But these are my lots. So he's like, oh, I'm taking his car. So I'm like, no, you're not taking the car. He goes, yeah, I'm taking the car. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Do whatever you want. He took the car. And when the guy came out, I says, 
I didn't know who the guy was. I thought you knew him, you know, because I had to have an explanation. He's on my lot. And that was my explanation. And he did the same thing. He took the car. And he, he just, you know, back in those days, you can sell every part of it. It's not, you know, it wasn't really like it is these days. Yeah, you could chop it up. But I, they just did it. She just did it because I was Asian with the two Italian guys. Really. Yeah. Right. I look like a Parker. So. Uh, yeah, my, my friend was uh, uh, Moroccan and, and Spanish, actually. He was mixed. So, yeah. Anyway, hey, it was really great having you on. Appreciate anybody that's looking from look them up, look at the book, and uh, great story and great life, man. And uh, wish you well and everything. Stay in touch. All right, all right. We'll see Take you. care. All right.